All right, welcome back to another edition of Baseball Banter. I'm your host, Justin Ginelli. On this Sunday, July the 3rd, 2022, we have reached the 4th of July weekend across baseball, across the United States. I want to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Uh, we've basically reached the halfway point of the season, uh, the official midway point of the season. Um, we still have two weeks until the All-Star Game, which is July 19th in Los Angeles. And... But most teams are reaching the midway point. And this this is going to be more of a Mets-Yankees-centric podcast. Um, I do have John Stewart with me, who will join me in a second. But, you know, we've pretty much reached the official halfway point in terms of games played. Like, for example, the Yankees uh, are 58-22, and 22, which is just ridiculous. Uh, but they've played a total of 80 games. The Mets have played 79. They're 49 and 30. So so joining me today is is John Stewart. John, good to have you back with us. Thanks for having me again, Justin. No problem. You know, we had you at the end of April, you know, and you were feeling pretty good about this Yankees team. This Yankees team. And that's where I want to start with the New York Yankees because, you know, the best team in baseball right now, 58 wins, 22 losses. Um, it's just been a remarkable first half of the season. And, you know, you were, fe- you were feeling good at the end of April. You know, the month of April didn't start all that great. They were 7-6 and six after, their first th- after their first 13. But, you know, by the time we talked at the end of April, they they'd really turned it on. And they had started to go on this run that seemingly has, basic- has been the last two months of the season. Um, just give me your perspective of this first half of what has been basically a, a historic first half. It really has been. Um when we talked in late April, uh, like you mentioned, the Yanks were, you know, going off on a good streak, and uh, I was impressed by that uh, based on their, well, not even so much a slow start to the season, just the fact that I thought they had a poor off season, and the fact that they got off to that seven and six record kind of showed me, yeah, this is you know, this might not be it because you know, I really didn't like the the trade for. Donaldson and Kiner Falefa at the time, and I certainly, <laughs> I certainly like it a little more now. I still don't love it, but I, you know, um, I've grown to like it a little more. But as far as the team now, it's it really is, and you know, it's a joy to to get to watch them every day, to get to watch a team that is this good, uh, particularly on you know, really on both sides, but particularly on the pitching side. That going into the season. You know, I'm sure you remember we um, Garrett Cole was the sure thing, of course, right. as one of the top five pitchers in baseball. But we even said that the rest of the rotation was question marks. You know, Luis Severino coming off um, a Tommy John, and in the last three seasons, pitching I think less than 50 innings total. Yeah, um, Jordan Montgomery being you know just kind of a an average pitcher, you know, not knowing really what to get expect from him. Jameson Tyone having an up-and-down first year in New York, not being too impressive. Um, and then Nestor Cortez kind of being a, a bit of a surprise last year. Uh, and But really, you know, who knows, not knowing what to expect from right. him this year. And so far, all five have been, have come up aces. All five have been remarkable so far. Yeah, and you know what, I'll, I look, I'll eat my words. I, I said in the, in the preseason that I didn't think that this rotation was great. Um, I thought that it would probably be, you know, on the lower tier of starting rotations in, in the American League. And look, I'll, I'll have to eat my words. I mean, 
obviously, like you said, Garrett Cole was a sure thing. But, you know, we didn't truly know what to expect, to expect out of Nestor Cortez. And then you have guys like uh, Jamison Tayo and Luis Severino and Jordan Montgomery who, you know, like you said, a com- you know, combined like 80 innings or something. And it's just – and to, to be fair, there still has to be some level of concern going into the second half. Because, you know, you worry – but you worry about them wearing down. But you also – you know, you see, you know, the guys like Clark Schmidt who can come up and make a spot start. Oh yeah, a guy like Dem- a, 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 a guy like Domingo Herman who is yes. working his way back, and you could really kind of you could spot him. You, you, you could spot certain starters, a, you know, a little bit time off so that they don't go overboard on their innings and that they're ready to go come October. Yes, you know, because when we spoke. On April thirtieth, they were fifteen and six, which is great. It's it's a great month of April, but they were also on the heels of winning their eighth in a their eighth in a row. Yeah, you know, against, yeah, against right. the Royals. So, I mean, what they have done since then to go from fifteen and six to where they are now at fifty eight and twenty two, you know, and that's after you know losing today yep. to the uh, <laughs> Cleveland Guardians, but. You know, they, they just continue to just mow through their schedule. And they go through a schedule that's, you know, really not all that difficult coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, Other than the Red Sox. Yeah, and, and you've got six games with the Red Sox, um, you know, prior to the All-Star break. And, you know, that's going to be fun because when, we, cause when we last talked in April, the Boston Red Sox were a bad baseball team. And, you know, they're coming off of June where they won 20 games. That's and right. they lost ground. Because the Yankees continued, because <laughs> the Yankees, Yankees continued to win, the Red Sox were like twenty and seven or something, and then the Yankees were like twenty one and six. Yeah, and, and and the Red Sox have firmly established themselves as a team that's you know likely going to make the playoffs, and you know they have no chance of winning the division, and that's just it's yeah. just incredible, and that just speaks to what the Yankees are doing, and that's without production in a lot of spots. Yeah, so I was going to get to that. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm just amazed. I mean, it, it it's rare we see in our lifetime an 80 game stretch where a team wins 58 of them. You know, it, yeah. I mean, how how often does that happen? It just doesn't. And you know, at this point, I mean, as it is every year with the Yankees, it's World Series or bust. But this real, year, but, but this year, I think it's it's magnified. Uh, I mean, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, how do you feel about that going forward? No, you're hundred percent right. It's it's you know the case of the two thousand one Mariners. You know they um they won one hundred sixteen games. They um I believe they broke the American League record. Is that right? The all time record. All time record. They hold the all time record. One hundred sixteen wins. Nobody else has won who, more who, games. Who remembers that season? It's like you very know, few because the Yankees beat them in the playoffs. I so. mean. And and if you and if you think about this, and we're gonna we're gonna cro- we're gonna cross sports for a second. Think about it: the the teams with the greatest records of all time don't have a championship to show for it. The se- right. the seventy three win Warriors yep. lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA Finals. Yes, the in epic fashion. The sixteen and the sixteen no Patriots lost to the, the New Giants. York Giants in the Super Bowl. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2019. Yep, the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2019 swept. got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, which that's one of the most which more effect- stunning things. You've which ever effectively seen. set at, set off an almost 
almost three-peat as we just saw them lose in the Stanley Cup Finals right. to the Colorado Avalanche, yep. in which they, I thought at times they had every chance of winning the series, yep. but the Avalanche were too good. So, I mean, having the greatest regular season of all time has not translated into winning a championship. And it, it, you're, you're just – you're magnified so much. I think that – I don't think it's a coincidence. I think the pressure – I mean, the lightning was just a freak thing. But in the case of the Warriors and the Patriots in particular, I think the pressure got to both teams. Uh, you know, just the Patriots. They got to the, the – The Giants. And those, yeah, then those two teams got to their respective championship. Like the Patriots yes. were in the Super Bowl and the Golden State Warriors were in the NBA Finals. Yes. The Mariners lost in the 2001 ALCS – to the New York Yankees, who three years earlier had won 114 games. Now they, they finish it off. Now they hold the all-time record for 125 wins in a season combined with postseason. Correct? Right, because the Mariners didn't obviously didn't win seven postseason games. I think they only won five, if I'm not mistaken, five or six. Yep, that's right. Um, so, but the pressure is magnified that much more when you set the record. Now, Absolutely. time will tell. Who knows if the Yankees are actually going to win more than 116 games. They're on that pace right now. But, you know, at some point, they're going to lose four of six. Yeah. It's it's going to happen. You know, when? Who knows? But at some point, they're going to go through a bit of a rough patch where they lose a bunch of games. I mean, if you count this from the, the game they got no hit against, well, from the game before that, they lost two to the Astros. Then they were okay. So then they swept the A's. But then they lost. They lost the makeup game. Yeah, they lost. So they've lost. They've lost four three. games. They're, they're they're six and four in their last ten. Yeah. So which is which is a good stretch, but for them it's <laughs> it, for them it's off pace. Right. Like their stretches are like nine and one. Yeah. You know. So. But yeah. I mean, but that's but that's what's impressive. Like their worst stretch is basically six and four, right? You know, at, at least at so, least since the start since the start of the season, and they got up off the mat after being seven and six. And and yeah. and to be fair, like you said before, you were very critical. I remember when we did the preseason podcast, you were very very critical of Brian Cashman, and you put a lot of pressure on Brian Cashman's job. You know, going in, you know, of this be, making sure that this was a big time year. And you, yeah, were, you, were, you were unimpressed with the offseason. Yes, I was. Um, <laughs> I can't, you know, I can't, just based on this past offseason, I can't fully give, you know, all the praise and glory to Cashman because just from this offseason's moves, the players that have been great for the Yankees this season we're already here. Right. We're already established. They've just, you know, done... In the case of, let's say, like Anthony Rizzo, um, you know, that was a great trade uh, last year at midseason, and it was a very smart move to bring him back. So Cashman does get credit for that. Um, but, do you, as for, but, do you, but do you sense that's a fallback because they maybe they should have been on in and on Matt Olson or Freddie Freeman? Do you sense, do you sense that to well, be Well, right now, Rizzo back? has numbers that are very comparable to both of them. I agree. So, I agree. So, and Rizzo's defense is second to none. And that's good, that is so important in a, in a postseason setting. Yes. Along with his postseason. I mean, Rizzo is the perfect guy for the Yankees right now. Yeah. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. Isaiah kind of falefa he puts, he puts bat on the ball, as so many old-school Yankee fans like to say. All right. Put the bat on the ball. Put the ball in play. That's exactly what he does. Yeah, he's um, 
He's the anti-Joey Gallo in that regard. And um, and so that's that that could play well in the postseason. There's no power whatsoever. And IKF plays a good shortstop. Good, not great. I'd like to see a little more from him defensively. He'd struggle. He's like Glaber Torres a little bit, where he'll make the outstanding play, but then a routine play, he'll he'll kind of think about it too much, and then he'll struggle, and he'll he'll bounce one that Rizzo has to pick up do in the dirt. Do you think maybe it's because he's in New York? Because he was a very good shortstop with Texas, you know. And and this he was is better a, as a third. He was better as a third and, baseman. And remember, this is a, this is a converted catcher, right? This is a converted catcher is now, and now playing the middle infield. So, I mean. Is there something? Is there something to that, with guys being converted catchers? You know, moving you know, and then they they move to the infield. Maybe. Um, you have to give me a few more examples. I can't think of any other guys. I mean, I mean, he was converted and ended up being converted. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Oh, Bryce Harper. Was Bryce Harper. Right, right. Um, and there's somebody at Texas too. I, it's somebody at Texas too. Uh, they were talking about today. Um, his name is his name escapes me at the moment. That uh, maybe I'll remember it later. But, but uh, yeah, and so and then Josh Donaldson uh, hasn't hasn't been great offensively, but defensively he is excellent. He's he's every bit as good as Gio Urshela. So that trade's kind of been it's been all right. But you know, the in the moves in the past, the Cashman has to get big time credit for. I mean, Clay Holmes, they they That's literally stole they stole him from Pittsburgh. It's a, that was a robbery. He, I mean, I Matt not, Blake and the and the analytics, whatever pitching department, they figured yeah. big time. They figured something out. His sinker, which is routinely from ninety seven to one hundred, might be the best pitch in baseball right now. It's it's better. I'm telling you, it's more effective than Mariano Rivera at his peak. That's. I mean, just look at his numbers. He I has mean, a he has I, an o five o ERA, zero point five zero. Yeah, I mean that's that's big praise right there. I mean, Clay Holmes is a guy who just was just awful. I mean. The the numbers. I mean, you look at his. You look at his look numbers. At Even last year, forty four appearances, a four point nine three earned run average in forty two innings with Pittsburgh. Yeah, and had let this go away. And had twenty five walks in forty two innings. So I mean that that that's an alarming number. Twenty five walks in forty two innings is a very very poor five point four walks per nine. Yep. I mean, he comes to the Yankees last year and makes twenty five appearances. To a one point six one ERA, and even in in his career, he's made sixty one appearances for the Yankees to a point nine seven ERA, and he's and he's shredded his walks per nine from six point three as a Pirate to one point two. I mean, he's a completely different pitcher, and now he's become the closer of the New York Yankees. Yes. That's one thing we could have never thought of. Nope. Even talking on April thirtieth, we would have never thought. Clay Holmes would become the closer. If for team. no other reason that Aroldis Chapman was still on the roster. Yeah, and even and even now that Aroldis Chapman just came back from the injured list, Clay Holmes is still the current closer. And, and 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 Aaron Boone has to know that. Aaron Boone has to continue to go at that because he's the hot hand, and he is, you know, he's he's making his case for reliever of the year right yes. now. I mean. 4-0, a .49 ERA. He's got 15 saves, 38 strikeouts in 37 innings. You know, he's just been. I don't know that you could have asked for anything more. Like, cause you, cause you, you get, no, a, no, you get, you no get, no one a, expected this. You get a guy off the scrap heap like that, and it's just like, all right, we'll see what he's got for us. <laughs> and, and then he's he, got all, something. All, right. all, all of a sudden, he's the best reliever in the American League. It's just, it's 
unbelievable that Brian Cashman could could see something in this at least enough to be like, we think this guy could help us. Yeah. And then Matt Blake just works his magic. Yes. And it's I, a combination and of you both. Know what? Exactly. And you know what? Coaches get blamed for the failures. It's time. It's it's time to give more credit where, where credits do. Matt Blake has got to be one of the best pitching coaches in baseball. Uh, he really does because what he's done with this pitching staff, the whole staff. So, yeah, because it's not just Holmes; it's everybody. Everybody's pitching well, uh, except for Chapman. You can't you can't figure him out. But <laughs> no, but, but literally, they have the right now. They have the least runs allowed in all baseball. Yeah, uh, I mean at two hundred and uh, forty one. Nobody they're has. Allowing, they're allowing exactly three runs per game. It's that's Crazy. just. I mean, it's just utter. It's 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 utterly unbelievable. I mean, their team ERA is just one tick shy of the Astros. Mm. Two point eight nine for the Astros. Two point nine zero for the Yankees. And I mean, their pitching is just. Their pitching is just out of this world. It is. It really and, has been. You know that that's pitch. See what gives you confidence with the Yankees is that this this is the type of pitching that could win you championships. Yes, and you know they don't have to rely on scoring you know seven eight runs a game, which we know they can surely do. Yes, <laughs> but they don't have to rely on it, and I think that takes a lot of pressure off the lineup because I think that hides a lot of the weaknesses that you see in the bottom of the order, especially with yeah. Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks. Correct. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm fully with you. You know, and in regards to the offense, now I'll just touch on the offense a little bit. Um, they are number one in all baseball in runs scored per game, in, in, in total runs scored, which is kind of amazing. It's a tribute to Aaron Judge first and foremost, um, who should right now be you know the front runner for MVP. Right, but you know, other guys who are having really good seasons. Anthony Rizzo, as I mentioned, is having – he's on pace for a career high in home runs, believe it or not. What does he got? I think he's at like 21 right now. 22 already. 22? He's never hit more than, I think, 39 in a season. Yeah, he's going to hit over four. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, for all the <laughs> the shit <laughs> that gets that has been thrown at his way the last four years, he very quietly already has 20 home runs, I think 50 RBIs. He's on pace for 40 and 100 with yeah. a, an 850 OPS. I mean, he's – He's frustrating at times because at times he looks like he doesn't know where the ball is going, and he's guessing. But um, he's still a really good hitter. Yeah. Uh, DJ LeMahieu was bounced back from uh, last year. I think he could be even better in the second half, along with Josh Donaldson. Uh, and Glaber Torres has really put together a nice year, um, showing that twenty twenty one was more uh, was definitely a fluke. Now, will he get back to the? 38 home run, 100 RBI guy he was in 2019. Uh, unlikely, but he's much closer to that guy, and that's been great to see. But now for the the bad, the bad. And Jose Trevino's been unbelievable. He's been clutch, really good defensively, throws guys out, you know, and he, he has one of the highest OPSs, I think, for a catcher. Uh, certainly the American League. Yeah. So that, that was a great move by Cashman. But now for the bad. Um, Aaron Hicks is, he's had a bad year. He gets on base a good amount of time. Uh, other than that, he's hes not a good hitter. But he's not going anywhere. 
if for no other reason than his contract, uh, where he still has, I think, five more years on it. Yeah. Joey Gallo cannot and will not be starting any game in the postseason for the Yankees. He cannot and will not because he is exactly the type of player that can just kill a rally and can kill momentum when it's when and the Yankees can generate momentum offensively like that. Right. They can be down five nothing and then, you know, one swing by Judge, a walk by Rizzo and a blast by Stanton, you're feeling good about your chances immediately. Right. Um so Joey Gallo cannot be on this team. I mean, if he could be benched, whatever, if they can't find a trade partner for him, he can't be starting for this team. I mean, what's his value at this point, though? I, I'm not saying he has value. Just include him with your higher, with your, you know, whether it be an Oswald Peraza, Ken Waldachuk, whoever your top prospects are going to be. Yeah. Um, and my guy that I really think, there, there's a couple guys I think they should trade for, but Andrew Benintendi of the Royals, we would absolutely be a perfect fit for this team. It's for average. Most importantly, he's a left-handed bat. Yep. <laughs> he plays the outfield, which is where Joey Gallo plays. Right. Um, and he has postseason experience from being with the Red Sox. Yes, he does. I mean, he checks every every box you could need. Now, forget postseason experience. <clears throat> he's, got, he's got a championship. Yeah, championship experience. Twenty eighteen. Correct. Um, will he cost a pretty penny? Yes. Um, the Royals are not going to give him away for nothing. Especially because especially he's, he's going to be in high demand, too. Um, yeah. He's going to be in high demand. And, you know, you know, for, the, for, you know for, and for those listening, you know, we right now on the TV have the Sunday Night Baseball game, which features the St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies. And, that, and that's the reason why I bring up the high demand. You know, right now, the Philadelphia Phillies are dealing without Bryce Harper. You know, and he suffered that fractured thumb, uh, getting hit by the pitch last weekend against uh, Blake Snell and the Padres, and you know, and and he's been limited since like the first two weeks of the season with the the UCL injury in his elbow. He hasn't been able to play the field, and they have had, I mean, they have they they like the worst like outfield defense I, I think ever invented with Nick <laughs> Castellanos. Uh, right now, Matt Matt Veerling's in center field. And um, not familiar with them. And Kyle Schwarber, well, they they've been all over the place. Whether it's Odubo Herrera, Matt Veerling, they've been all over the place with center field. They can't figure out center field to save their life. And you know, it's not something Benintendi's done much of lately. But I think they might have to. They might resort to that. But um, yeah, they really they could be in that in that conversation as well as the Yankees because the obviously the Yankees look at. Left field or right field, what you know, wherever you choose. Left field, usually, yeah, usually left field, and, and that's a good spot to play Andrew Benintendi too. And especially being in the American League East, you know, he knows how to play. He knows how to play at Fenway Park, obviously. You know, all those years playing for the Red Sox, um, you know, he knows all the dimensions within the within the division. So, I mean, that would really be the perfect ad for the Yankees. Um, again, what it will cost, who knows? You know, I think that's well, going to be the biggest you, thing. They. The Yankees would be hesitant to to trade Anthony Volpe. I can already tell you that. Who's our number one prospect? Um, I will, I think the Yankees would do it for two of their top five prospects. Like yeah. maybe not two and three. Maybe not Jason Dominguez and Oswald Peraza, but yeah. they would do it for for 
one of those guys and then somebody else. Right. I mean, they they want the championship this season, and they know Ben Intendi will bring them that much closer. So you know, that's the guy I'm targeting. And you know what I you know what I like about this? You know why I think this is, this would be a big move for the Yankees is because this because this brings me to my next question: Is there a concern that the Yankees are still too old or nothing? A little bit, yes. And Andrew Benintendi just, just saw, go ahead. he has three home runs on the season. He's not a home run hitter. He's got a three hundred. He's got a three hundred plus batting average. So he's a guy who puts the ball in play. Doesn't rely on the home run. Yep. And can keep the line moving. At times you feel like as much as the Yankees can score, they're not going to keep the line moving because you got guys who are going to strike out. You got guys who are going to be pull happy and try to yeah, hit home and the runs. Guys, the guys who are going to be starting. Stanton strikes out too much. Yep. Um, Judge. Judge, you know he'll go on. He'll go on hey. to a little bit of a slump. Yeah, I mean, got, I mean, got, got, got to love Judge, and you know, certainly, like you said, front runner for MVP. He'll, he'll have his share of moments where he strikes out a ton. Yeah. You know, uh, Hicks, jo- strikes, Hicks strikes out too much. Josh Donaldson probably strikes out a ton. So, yep. you, know, you got, got, you got too many guys in the lineup who strike out a ton, and Andrew Benintendi could really bring that down, and you know. It help keep the line moving, and you can have someone like him hit at the top of the order, and kind of set the table for the three, four, yeah. five hitter. Because you know one of the things about, because one of the things about as great as Aaron Judge's season is, you know he's got twenty nine home runs. That's all well and good. He's only got fifty nine RBIs. Yeah, he should have at least fifteen more. Yeah, you would you would think Absolutely. for somebody who's nearing thirty home runs. He'd be around 70, 75 RBIs. You think? So, I mean, which goes to show you, well, which also goes to show you the Yankee analytic way because he bats second a lot. You know, and, yep. it's, you know because I mean, they want to get him as many at bats as possible. I mean, and yes, there, there's a good theory to that. And yes, with the, with, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously the DH has been the American League for years, but with the DH in baseball, there's nine spots, you know. Judge still will have moments where he comes up with men on base. You know, right. as, lo- as long as you have an eight, eight and nine spot who can do some, you know, who, who can get on base, you know, for the top of the order. But, you know, a lot of times Judge is coming up with nobody on base and hitting home runs all well and good, but solo home runs aren't going to kill you all the time. Nope. You it's know, a three-run home run that gets you. You know, I'd, I'd prefer giving up a home run to Aaron Judge in the first inning because because – you know, chances are he's not going to have a multi-home run game. You know how yeah, you know point. that's rare. So if he gets his home run out of the way in the first inning, I feel like I've dodged my bullet. Now my offense can go to work. Right. So getting guys like Andrew Benintendi can maybe move Judge down to more of a three and four natural cleanup spot where he's coming out with two guys on base. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and I think that would really. Now, fifty nine RBIs is is you know and you know at the top of the league. I mean, it's not like yeah, you know, it's not like he's got a, a scrub number. I mean, you know, in in Major League Baseball, he is you know fifth in ba- he's fifth in baseball, you know, behind Jose Ramirez who has sixty three RBIs. But Ramirez has sixteen home runs, mm-hmm. sixteen home runs, sixty three RBIs. CJ Crone nineteen home runs, sixty four RBIs. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, nineteen home runs, sixty-five RBIs, and then right. and, and then you have Pete Alonso, twenty-two homers. He leads the league with sixty-nine RBIs. So, 
I mean, you look at all these guys, they, they have less home runs than Aaron, obviously. But they have, you know, it, it's almost comparable to the Jordan Alvarez situation in Houston. He's got 23 homers, 56 RBIs. Yep. And he's a traditional cleanup hitter. He bats fourth in that lineup. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, getting getting a guy like Ben Attendee helps get more guys on in front of Aaron Judge. I would Absol- say. No, absolutely. So, I, I would think he's definitely got to be the number one target. Um, but, yeah. Uh, and then just quickly, uh, I did see that the Yankees um, have talked. Uh, you know, I've been in discussions um, regarding Luis Castillo from the Reds. Now, that would be a very interesting move because on paper you would think, oh, the Yankees are set with pitching. They don't have to do anything. But as a, as a wise man once said, you can never have too much pitching. No. And, and you know, especially with maybe potential innings innings caps or not caps, but maybe trying to be very careful with you're monitoring Cort- it, Sever- yeah. Severino and Cortez specifically. Right. Um, man, you get a guy like Luis Castillo and, and – I don't want to dream, but you get both of those guys, you can start – Planning the parade for uh, for November. I'm t- I'm telling you right now. Yeah, that I mean that would put them over the top. Now I, I think a guy like Luis Castillo is going to come with a lot more competition, um, especially with a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers, who are a little. Mm. You, you could say they're a little bit hurting for pitching right now. You know, Walker Bueller um, has been shut down for at least six to eight weeks, and that does of a couple weeks ago. Uh, you know, you're probably going to lose him for three months. You know, you always worry about Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, and his health. Yes. I mean, we uh, we saw him. We saw him pitch today. He pitched a really tremendous ball. You know, was pitching a tremendous ball game against the uh, against the San Diego Padres. And by the way, they actually lost that game because Kimbrel lost that game in the ninth inning. But you know, it's it's going to be a big time competition for Luis Castillo. So, real quickly before we move on to the Mets, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Um, what what are, you know? Just what do you look you? Know, and you gave me a couple of trade targets. What, what else are you looking for in the second half of the season for the Yanks? Um, I'm looking for Josh Donaldson to improve on his 698 OPS. I mean, he's, he's got to do better. Especially for him, that's a lot. I know he's, old, he's an older player now, but that's still low for he's him. He's got to do better than that. Yeah. Um, I look for Garrett Cole to be even better um, than he was. I mean, I'll, I'll give you the guys who I think are going to be better. There's also guys who might who are going to regress. Right. Of um, Donaldson, I look for him to do better. I look for Garrett Cole to, you know, maybe not win the Cy Young this year, but put himself again in that top three because right. he has the talent to do so. Yes. Um, and then you know Jonathan Loisaga when he comes back from uh, he'll be back from his injury shortly, maybe in the next week or so. Yeah. Um. I you know last year he was one of the better relievers in the AL and he struggled this year in uh, limited time he has an ERA over five um, you know a strength getting better would be how I would term Loisaga coming back to the bullpen in the second half um, just quickly three guys who are gonna probably regress a little bit um, Nestor Cortez being number one he's had an unbelievable first half I think he should be an all star. I think he's earned it. He so. has he has ninety one strikeouts already. He's you know he put him you know put him sit in the top uh, I think top five in the American League, maybe top ten. Um, but he, you know, 
he most likely will regress a little bit and maybe be on a more pitch count in some games. Right. Um, who else? You know, Trevino most likely is, you know, maybe he's going to drop off a little bit. Right. He's been a huge surprise. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, overall, I just look for, I just, just continue what you've been doing. Just, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, other than Joey Gallo and Aroldis Chapman, there's nothing broke in this on this Yankee team. This is a team that absolute right now, just with the roster they have, could not could would be I think favored along with maybe the Houston Astros and LA Dodgers. Right, they would be the one of the three favorites without question to win the World Series. And a little tinkering here and there, I think, is going to put them over the top. So just keep doing what you've been doing. Keep pitching. Keep uh, having good at bats. Keep, um, yeah, just keep doing what you've been doing. That's what I got. I mean, hey, look, look. I mean, to put the put the bow on the Yankees. I mean, this is a team that's going to be close to seventy wins by the All Star break. I mean, you usually play about ninety five games before you hit the All Star break. I mean, it's a team that might close in on on seventy wins before the All Star break. So, uh, it, you know, it's been it's been an incredible season to watch, and. Speaking of New York, I all this this must be the best year in a long time for New York baseball because on the other I can't remember a better one because in the other borough in Queens, the New York Mets sit at forty nine and thirty, you know nineteen games over five hundred. They have a three and a half game lead in the National League East, you know, and you know, and I know that over the last month the Braves have really cut down the deficit. You know, on June first, the Mets had a ten and a half game lead. But the, the the Braves went on an insane you know run in June, and the Mets were thirteen and twelve. The Mets have been really treading water of late, and yeah. you know they they really not played their best baseball. But anybody would have signed up for forty nine and thirty and three and a half games up. I mean, on, how, how, you know, waking up on July fourth as we will tomorrow with you know with the games have been, having been completed. So yeah, how did how did you see uh, you know going into the season? How did you see the team? Hey, uh, you thought they'd be a playoff team, right? I absolutely thought they'd be a playoff team, but you know what? I still gave, I still gave the Braves the benefit of the doubt and thought the Braves were the best team in the National League East, and mm-hmm. you know what? They might, they might still be, <laughs> but you know, one of the things is that the Mets and Braves have only met four times. The Mets and Braves have fifteen. The Mets and Braves have fifteen meetings left, and the next series will be uh, starting on Tuesday, July eleventh. They play a three-game series at Truist Park in Atlanta. So that's going to be a big series right before the All-Star break because um, next week the Mets have, you know, this week coming up, the Mets have three at Cincinnati and then they have four at home with the Miami Marlins. You know, you can get, that, you can get, you can get fat on that. That's, an, that, that, that's got to be an opportunity to go six and one, minimum five and two. You know, be. and, and then you get that big three-game series with the Atlanta Braves. And then you have an opportunity to get fat again because you play four with the Cubs, and mm-hmm. the and the Cubs we know are a bad baseball team. So they're no pushover though. They took two the, out of three against the Red Sox. Right. They're they're no they're no they're no pushover. But you know when you're when you're a team with aspirations like the Mets do, you know you got to try to win two out of three against the Braves, but you got to be getting fat against the Reds, the Marlins, and the Cubs, and that is yeah, eleven. That's eleven of your next fourteen games. There you go. Win eight or nine of them. Yeah, no, and you're, eight, eight and three. Eight, eight and three, three, nine and two, and you're going to the break feeling real good, even if 
you happen to lose to – the only thing you cannot do is get swept by the Braves. You cannot – you know what? It's gonna, it'll suck if you lose two out of three. I'd like to win the series. But but if you're getting fat – you know, the Braves got fat against their lesser competition. I mean if you, if you looked at the Braves' June schedule, you, you, you would think it was a minor league schedule. I mean – but, you know, overall, there's good feelings with the Mets. There's mixed feelings as well. And, you know, it's because, you know, they've regressed to a point where they haven't been, they haven't been great lately. And you could attribute that to the tough schedule. You had the West Coast trip with the Dodgers, Padres, and Angels. You know, you had, you know, you had some tough, you had some tough matchups along the way. You had to play four games with Houston. You know, so it, it was a tough month of June. But I'd say to go 13 and 12, and that's without Max Scherzer. And that's without Jacob DeGrom. I'm not even throwing yeah. a pitch this season. Right. Which, by the way, today could be a very landmark day in this Mets season. You know, if all goes right. Because Jacob DeGrom made his first rehab start for the St. Lucie Mets where he struck out five of the six hitters he faced. You know, getting those two back. You know, because how much stock are you really going to take in losing going 0-4 against the Astros when... Three of the four games were started by Carlos Carrasco and Trevor Williams. Very little, if any. You know, and Taiwan Walker started the other game, and he matched zeros with Justin Verlander. The only runs were scored in the ninth inning off of Drew Smith on a two-run home run by Jason Castro. All right? So Taiwan Walker effectively matched zeros with Justin Verlander all day. Right. And he pitched into the eighth inning. Yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to... You would like to see more offense against the Astros. I, I would like to see more offense, but you know what? The, the Astros have terrific pitching. You know, the, Met, the Mets saw Luis Garcia. The Mets saw Framber Valdez. The Mets saw Justin Verlander. Those are guys that are hard. Those are guys that are hard to face. You know, they're, they're good pitchers. You know, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think the first game they faced are Keeney as well. You know, look, the Astros have terrific pitching. You know, like I had mentioned, they're right there with the Yankees for Team ERA. You know, yeah. they're, they're just one one tick above. So it's it's going to be a battle, you know. And look, the Phillies are four games over five hundred. They won their game tonight, four nothing. They're forty two and thirty eight. Do I really think they're going to be able to hold up in the National League East? I don't. I think the Mets and Braves are both head and shoulders above them. You know, and and the, and the Mets have had their dominance with the Phillies this year. You know, the Mets are, I believe, nine and three. Against the Phillies, if I'm not mistaken. So they've really done their job against the Phillies. But, I mean, I know you watch more Yankee games. But what is your thoughts on the Met, on this Mets team so far? I think they've honestly exceeded expectations from preseason. I think so, too. I yeah. mean, especially, like you said, with Jacob DeGrom not throwing a pitch yet. Yep. Their best player. Um, Pete Alonso has had an MVP caliber first half. Um He's, you know, he's really the reason why, um, at least a big part of the reason why the Mets have been, um, you know, one of the better the offensive teams yeah. in the National League. Yep. Um, and that's, even, and, like and that's the, even dipped a little bit over the last couple of days because their offense hasn't really done much. But, yeah, they're still, like, top five, top six in, you know, in run scored. But Pete Alonso, yeah. 69 RBI so far. Um. Yeah, and like you mentioned, um, Jeff McNeil, 
getting back to the player he was in 2019 with uh, right now uh, an excellent 318 batting average. Yep. Um, he got too pull happy the last couple of years, and I, and I think that really affected him. Uh, you know, he got too pull happy. Uh, you know, and and like I want to credit uh, Matt Blake for what he's done with the the Yankee pitching staff. Yeah, I, I got to give every credit in the world to Eric Chavez. You know mm. what what he's done under Buck Showalter. And, and, and let's give let's give let's give the praise to Buck Showalter because what because Buck has stabilized this clubhouse. You know, he brought in the right coaches. He kept Jeremy Hefner, who has been a very big developmental success for a lot of these young pitchers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think they're just I think they're well rounded from a coaching standpoint. That you go into a game and you know that the coaching staff isn't going to lose it for you, right? Yeah, no, that's that's big. I mean, you know, their their pitching has been yeah. I was going to mention their their pitching. Their pitching's been good, but you know. You ha- you still have your con- you still have your concerns because of consistency. Now the good news is on Tuesday, Max Scherzer returns for the Mets, and that should be a big a big shot in the arm for this team going forward because he's going to pitch Tuesday and he's going to pitch Sunday against Miami. Right. You know that's a, that's a big shot in the arm having Max Scherzer pitch twice in a week. You know, and with Jacob Degrom throwing twenty seven pitches today or twenty four pitches today. And they expect it to be three to four, you know, more rehab starts. A total of yeah. probably four or five yep. altogether. Um, maybe we're looking at end of July, the very end of July for Jacob Degrom. Okay, I mean, and I mean, tell me, tell me a team that wants to face a healthy Max Scherzer and a healthy Jacob Degrom. One, that, two, no one. That 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 right there will give the Mets. Either an advantage or, at the very least, have them feeling good about themselves in any postseason matchup, having that one, too. Well, I mean, just imagine going into a seven-game series, and that's four of seven games. Right. That's so to four. win the series, you have to win one of the games. Yeah, to, to, yeah, to, to win beat, the whole series, to, to win to, four to, games. To beat the Mets, you'd have to beat win Jacob DeGrom or Max Scherzer once. Where Chris Bassett will probably start one, Taiwan Walker will probably start the other. I would um, I would say yes, and and I would go as far as saying Taiwan Walker should be your three over Chris Bassett because Chris Bassett right now is up to a four point oh one ERA. He's been too hit or miss of late, and same with Carlos Carrasco. Yeah, you know when they're bad, they're really bad. But then there's days like today where Carlos Carrasco pitches really well against the Rangers, and the Mets get a nice four to one victory. Mm. You know, there's. Too much, too much, um, like extreme with these pitchers, right? But with Taiwan Walker, it's a steadying, stabilizing presence. I mean, he's six and two, a two point seven two ERA. You know, not not a big strikeout guy. Fifty fifty two strikeouts in seventy two innings, but he just he controls the game so well. Only a one point one WHIP. You know, so I mean, he's he's got really good numbers, and you could make you you could you could make every case that he ends up on the All Star team again mm. at six and two two seven two. I mean, you could make every case he's on the All Star team this year, and I I would say between him and this is another this has been this is another major development, the success of Edwin Diaz this year. I'm Edwin, looking right now. Edwin Diaz, Diaz locking down the ninth inning has been a godsend for the Mets. 
because this is what we this is what we signed up for when we got him. And it's taken a few years, but it's finally coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. Edwin Diaz. Now, a little bit of a scary, a little bit of a scary game today. Put put two guys on, but he got but you know but he but he got through it, and that's what has been the difference. When he does have his, uh oh, Diaz is reverting back to his old ways. No, he gets through it. You know, and and I think, and you know, and let's get let's give a huge shout out to Edwin Diaz. He was named the National League Reliever of the Month for the month of June. You know, he's he's been absolutely terrific with an ERA under one. I mean, I feel I do feel really good about this team, but I feel very but I feel very concerned at the same time. If that makes any sense, and you know, just like the we talked about the lack of production from Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks. You know, I feel the same way about getting no production out of Dominic Smith, no mm-hmm. production out of JD Davis. So the Mets have basically had a black hole at DH. You might have, might, you might have as well had the pitcher bat. <laughs> right. I mean, looks like catcher. They're getting no production they're, either. They're getting nothing. You know what? At today's game, and you know what? I'm not as angry about it because the Mets ended up winning. But the Mets are up one nothing in this game. Because you know Marte hit the home run in the first inning, they're up one nothing in this game, and James McCann is up in I think the third inning with first and second and two outs. He strikes out to end the inning. What infuriates me the most is the very next inning, because Carlos Carrasco got a pickoff to end the inning. Jonah Heim led off the, for the for the Rangers. Who is Jonah Heim? He's the Ranger catcher. And what did he do? Hits a solo home run to tie the game. Jonah Heim has 12 home runs on the season. James McCann has one. Yes, and you're does. paying McCann $40 million. And if I'm not mistaken, Nito maybe has one or two, if that. Nito has zero home runs. Nito has zero. So the Mets have gotten one home run from the catcher position all year long. That's astonishing. I mean, you can't even make up how bad that is. Now... Wow, I'm sorry. James McCann's contract is four years, forty million. Yes, he and and look, he's not he's not going to see the end of that contract because of Francisco Alvarez. With yes. Francisco Alvarez tearing it up in minor, in the minor leagues, now he was he was promoted, not okay. to the big leagues, but he was pro- promoted to Syracuse tonight. And I haven't seen the Syracuse score. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how he did in his AAA debut. But he was in the lineup for Syracuse tonight, making his his AAA debut. He's lurking, right? I would say but the, so. But the question is, bringing a rookie catcher up to handle a veteran staff, right? You know, with you know, because because it's so important with the signs and you know, get calling a calling a game, you know, calling a game well. Because if I'm going to give James McCann and Tomas Nito any form of credit. They're very good defensively, and they call a very good game. Those are important things. You know? you know, you know what? And in this, and they're very good at framing. And in this era now, and I know that Rob Manfred has talked about the robot umpires, which looks yes. like they might be in effect in a couple of years. Framing won't be as important because you'll have the automatic strike zone. Tomas Nito and James McCann are very good framers, and they are able to help get the Mets extra strikes. And that, and that is that is important in a game. And you can't diminish that, but they're getting no production, and Eduardo Escobar has been next to nothing this year. But Eduardo Escobar 
had a, mo- had a monster weekend. Homered in all three games against the Texas Rangers and is now up to nine home runs on the year and 36 RBIs. You're hoping Eduardo Escobar is snapping out of it because then that's one less hole in the lineup. Yes. Because yes. because I, I can argue with you that the Mets have as good of a top four as anybody. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll put my top four of the order against anybody with Nimmo, Marte, Francisco Lindor, mm-hmm. and Pete Alonso. You know what? And then when Jeff McNeil's batting fifth, I love that. Mark Hanna? Mark Hanna's cooled off a little bit lately. But Mark Hanna's been really good for this team this year. And he plays a good left field. So, okay, that's six spots in the lineup right there. Seven, eight, nine. Eduardo Escobar, other than this weekend, has been pretty much next to nothing. James McCann's a zero. Tom, yeah. Thomas Nito is literally is, a zero. Is a zero. Give Thomas Nito credit. He does hit good with runners in scoring position. He's had some good, some clutch hits. Other than that, he's a zero. And the DH spot is just absolutely he's nothing. JD Davis, right? Now. JD Davis has been horrendous. I don't, I don't want, I don't care about hard hit rate having the hardest hit rate in the entire league. That proves that that stat is misleading. It's mean, it's misleading because he's been terrible this year. He's batting two forty five, has just two home runs, fourteen RBIs. Dominic Smith hasn't hit a home run in a calendar year. He's hitting two fourteen with fourteen RBIs. You know, you know, Luis Guillorme can only do so much. He's batting two ninety three, but he's cooled off ever since he's been playing every day. So the Mets need somebody to they need somebody for the DH spot. Now whether it's now whether it's Francisco Alvarez, Mark Vientos, who's also in the minor leagues and he's got like fifteen home runs, and he's at the triple A level. He's been playing for Syracuse all season. Um The Mets need an answer. And the Mets need an answer now because it it gives Billy Epler an idea of what he's going to shop for at the trade deadline. Right. Now, like you had mentioned about the Yankees checking in on Ben Intendi, the Mets have reportedly checked in on Trey Mancini. Okay, that's interesting. So, yeah, so I mean what was I mean, what would your thoughts be on adding a, a right handed power hitter like Trey Mancini to the lineup? Um. Well, first of all, where who would where would he play? Who whose time would he be taking? Dh. Oh, he'd be your dh. And you know what? You want to you want to get Pete off his feet every now and again. Play first base. You want you know, except for the one game after he got hit in San Diego, uh, he missed one game because of the hand issue. Pete's played every day, whether it's first base or dh. Pete is not Pete is not set for rest. All season long. And really, neither is Francisco Lindor. He missed a couple games of, because he slammed his finger in a hotel door in, in L.A. And it seemed like the June nightmare. Slammed was, his finger in a hotel Yeah, door. We'll, we'll go with that. But Pete plays every day. So if you want to get him off his feet every now and again, Trey Mancini could play first base. But Trey, Man- Trey Mancini could be your DH. Now, Mancini's batting two seventy nine. He's got seven homers, and he's got 30 RBIs. And thirty run score. Yeah, just looking at his numbers, he's. I mean, he'd be a good fit. He's a he's a good player. And I forgot what's I forgot what stat Twitter page came up with the stat, but they looked at his fly balls and they compared it to what it would be if he played at City Field. He'd have seven. Uh-huh. He'd have seventeen home runs. Now, as you know from being a Yankee fan and watching Yankee games, 
They screwed around with that wall, that left field wall at Camden Yards. Oh, it, it, it's like it's literally Mancini said. Park. No one likes it. I think it's it's, it's like Creator Park. It, it's just like it just juts out and it's just like fifteen feet back, and it's cost it's cost players home runs. Yeah, um, but Mancini specifically. Yeah, I mean, here's a guy who here's a guy who came back from cancer and hit twenty one homers and seventy one RBIs last year, and so you know clearly a productive player at age thirty, and. Um, you know, I think at this point, you can't. I mean, you can't do worse than Smith and Davis, right? So, right. You know, we'll see where where else they go. And I wonder if they trade for a catcher. You know, I, I don't know that they do because of the dynamic between having the the guys like McCann and Nito who know the staff very well and can work with the staff really well. Um, I think they can factor that in, especially when the you know the Mets don't have a bad lineup. The Mets have a, a very good lineup. Right. It, it just has its holes at the bottom. I wonder if they just settle on a DH and say, okay, we'll live with the nothing at, at catcher. Yeah, you know, and then obviously, just like every team, you know, a bullpen arm because the bullpen getting it to Edward Diaz has been the problem, and I never thought I'd say this. But the one guy I trust in the bullpen is Edwin Diaz. You know <laughs> how ironic is that? You know Drew Smith has been a roller coaster. Seth Lugo has been a roller coaster. I saw Seth Lugo has three blown saves and only two actual saves. I saw that. I saw that. Right, story. right. Because 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 anybody because anybody can get a blown save if you even if you're not in the save chance. Like you're mm. not in the ninth inning getting the save. Like like if you blow the lead in the eighth inning, it's a blown save. Right, even if right. you're not actually saving the game, but looking at uh, oh, and Adam Adovino, he he's he's as roller coaster as roller coaster gets. <laughs> Gives up the home run last week to uh, Nick Fortes uh, last Sunday, and then you know and got some big outs on Friday night. So I mean, which shot of Vino are you? You know, will a real out of Vino please stand up? So. I mean, again, I I couldn't have expected anything better at this point. You know, f- you know, forty nine and thirty. You know, you know, basically halfway. You know, basically halfway through the season, the Mets on pace for a hundred wins. Yeah. I could have never. I could have never thought that. I thought this. I thought this team would probably win between ninety and ninety three games, and I thought that was peak. You know, and in the, yep. you know in the National League. That looks like that's that's plenty, you know. Because if you look at the if you look at the National League right now, you have the Braves at forty six and thirty four, the Phillies won tonight, so at forty two and thirty eight, and then you have you know the Brewers are forty six and thirty five, the Cardinals lost today forty four and thirty seven, and then you have the Giants at forty and thirty seven, mm-hmm. the Padres at forty seven and thirty four, and the Dodgers at forty nine twenty nine. So I mean, yeah, they're all bunched, bunched together. Yeah, there's a lot of teams bunched together. So ninety, you'll be so ninety, you'll be plenty. I think ninety will be plenty for the postseason. But to to say that they're on pace for almost a hundred wins, or about a hundred wins, is 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 pretty impressive. I mean, absolutely. I, has there ever been a year where the Mets and Yankees both won a hundred games? I don't think so. No, there's no way because. 
The Mets. The Mets hundred wins. The Mets se- never win hundred games. Right. The Mets hundred win seasons were nineteen eighty six. Eighty six. Eighty eight. Yankees were not above. And I think it's. And I think in nineteen sixty nine they won one hundred and four. The year I think the I think the Miracle Mets won over a hundred games, if I'm not mistaken. But well, again, I can, it's very few. It's few. It's few and far between. Uh, nineteen sixty nine. I'm sorry. They won exactly a hundred. Okay. They won exactly a hundred in, in that year. But then you, Since then, I'm looking right here, 06, they won 97. Yep. 99, they won 97. That's it. Yep. That's it. Nope. So it has never happened before in history. So. The I closest mean, comp I think we have to this season from a Yankees-Mets perspective has to be 2006. Yeah. Because. Both teams finished with the best record in baseball. Yep. They were 1-2, and two, I think, most of the year. Um, you know, they were. Thought it was there was real talk. I remember there was talk. You know, Subway Series Part Two. Right, because that only at that point it only happened six years earlier. You had the two thousand, and you had a two thousand team where the Mets won more games that year, mm-hmm. and, and 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 didn't win the division. The the, right. the Mets won ninety four games in two thousand, and the Bra- and the Braves won the division. I think by a couple of, by a couple of, by one game, ninety five wins for the Braves that year. And, you know, and in 2006, well, first of all, you had that, that was, that was the year you had that disaster in, De- in Detroit. Yes. Get sw- get yeah. Sw- getting swept by the Tigers. Uh, I think that was the year A-Rod batted eighth. Um, yeah, that was a bad series for the Yankees. You know, and then obviously the Mets said that, you know, had that, that, oh, that, right. tough, that tough game seven you know, after, after the Andy Chavez catch. Um off of Scott Rowland, you know, then you have the Yadier Molina home run. Wainwright gets Beltron looking. And then you have Cardinals Tigers in the World Series. I don't even remember. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even remember who the, the Tigers face in the LCS. Honestly. I think the Oakland A's. Oh, okay. Well, Oakland was really good that year. But, I mean, it's been, it's been so amazing for New York baseball. We, we've had such a really, we've had, we had, had such a really good first half. Um, you know, I'm open. You know, I'm open. We, you know, we both have we both have it continue. You know, oh for we'll sure. Say. Um, so yep, I have know. no no problem with the Mets doing well. Yeah. So, you know, that's some of the thoughts. So, let's because because we talked about Buck Showalter, let's let's talk about some of our midseason awards. Yes, let's do it because maybe Buck appears on this list. We'll see. So, who would you have as your well, I think I would know who your AL MVP is. Yeah, right now it's Aaron Judge for me. Um, I think the two guys that are going to be his main competition in the second half are going to be uh, Shohei Otani, who unanimously won the award last year, and um, Jordan Alvarez for the Astros, who uh, is just having a great season um, with a you know I think the league leading OPS. Yep. But just I mean Judge's importance to the Yankees. Cannot be overstated. It's. It, I really can't imagine what their record would be if he, if they this whole season if they didn't have him. I mean, I realistically think they they'd have ten fewer wins. That's that's just how important he is to them. Even if, even if, if he himself isn't launching home runs, which he has six more than anybody else in baseball at twenty nine. Right. Um, 
just his presence, the fact, you know, he he draws a lot of walks still. Um, just just against the Astros in the Yankees' biggest series of the year so far, he had two walk-off hits, and he finally is um, he finally is um, you know putting the ridiculous notion that you know he's never had a clutch hit. Well, he he had had many clutch hits, but two of the biggest clutch hits you can have um, in his two walk-offs against the Astros. So, Aaron Judge is my MVP. Yeah. Who do you have, Justin? Well. I feel like, I feel like just debating you on this, and you know, it's so easy to just pick Aaron Judge, you know, because, because of the numbers. I just want to be different. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jordan Alvarez, okay. you know, because because you say you because you say the Yankees have ten fewer wins without Aaron Judge. That's forty eight and thirty two. That's <laughs> that's nothing to sneeze at. You know, I I I could argue that you take Jordan Alvarez out of the middle of that order. There's really not. There's really no punch. There's really not a lot of punch. You know, you got Bregman, and you got Kyle Tucker. But, but you know what? Bregman's not having a great year. You know what? And, and Kyle Tucker's been okay. You know, obviously, you know, Jose Altuve is the pain in the ass that he always is. But he seems to only do well against the Yankees, really. Altuve. Yeah. Eh, it seems like he's good against everybody. <laughs> it seems like he's hard to get. He's just hard to get out. But you know, I I argue that you take the twenty three home runs out of. Out of Houston's lineup, and I, and I think it, I think it hurts them more. So, I really think that um, it's I really think that it's going to be a good two. Uh, th- it's going to be a three way race, especially with uh, you know Shohei Otani. But but see, do they really want to give it to Otani again? I mean, he got his he had his historic you know oh greatest season in baseball history already last year. You know. Right. I don't know. You know, it's going to depend on what his, it's going to depend on what his numbers look like, honestly, because he because he's he's that unfair cheat code. He really is. He is. So he definitely is. I don't know. But all right, so let's move on to Cy Young. Who? who uh, I'm sorry, NL MVP. Okay. Who do you go for NL MVP? It's close. I think you can make a case for a, a few different guys. Pete Alonso being one. Right. Um, I'm going with Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, he's had an amazing year. He. Right now in the National League, he is first in average at three forty one. Um, yep. Looks like he's top five in home runs and RBIs. Yep. And he is first in the National League, second in all of baseball and OPS, only behind Jordan Alvarez. Right. I mean, his numbers are incredible. Um, and the Cardinals right now um you know they are a playoff team i believe right now they would be a wild card team um yeah second to milwaukee right now one two okay so they would be the third wild card team um behind the padres and the braves right um and they're only two games behind the brewers i don't think they're above 500 without him i mean he has just been He's put it together even more so than in his Arizona heyday. He's just been a monster for the Cardinals, and he has them propelling towards uh, the playoffs. So he's my guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna you know just like you did. I'm gonna go the biased route here. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Pete Alonso, um, and the re- the reason why is because you 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 say the Cardinals are, are probably not above 500. Are the Mets above 500 without Pete Alonso? 
I mean, I mean, I mean, he's the one guy. He's the one guy in the lineup that really packs punch. You know, the you know the Mets have guys who can hit home runs. Like Lindor can hit his home run every now and again. You know, we saw Starling Marte hit a home run for a second straight day. Eduardo Escobar hit three home runs in the series. But they're not guys you deem as true power hitters, right. true sluggers. And Pete Alonso is that true slugger. You know, twenty two home runs right now, uh, sixty nine RBIs, which leads Major League Baseball. You know, and a, and a two eighty batting average, which is really nothing to sneeze at. You know, a, a, a true a true a true snug a true a true slugger is like a two forty hitter. You know, with with his, with his bunch of home runs, his big his big RBI total. You know, and, you know, and he's he's got an OPS of nine thirteen, which is nothing to sneeze at. You know, nine thirteen is good, and on base an on base percentage of three sixty. So he draws his walks as well. I mean. You just take you take Pete Alonso off this Mets team. That lineup is that lineup is a that's a feeble lineup. I hate to use a hate to use a Frank the Tank term, but <laughs> to be, they're not a good lineup without Pete Alonso. Uh, so, you know, I, I'd have to get I'd have to get, I'd have to give it to Big Pete. He'd probably be second for me. So yeah. Um, <clears throat> what about uh, the American League uh, Cy Young? Hmm. Um, to me, the guy has to be Shane McClanahan. He is. Um, he's had a a monster first half. He's incredible. Number one in the American League in ERA and strikeouts. And for me, those are the two most important stats for a pitcher. Yep. You know, you're preventing runs, and you know you're showing that your stuff is dominant to the point where you don't have to count on the randomness of a hit going to a fielder that you just get guys out on your own. Um, and you know certainly, and you know he also at the top of the league in innings pitched, which also is very important. Yep. And the Rays, quite simply, are not a good team. They don't have a good roster, and without Shane McClanahan, they would not be above five hundred. So he's he's the AL Cy Young right now. I, you know what, on this on this one, I'm going this one. I'm going to agree with you with. And you know one of the, one of the stats that you didn't quite point out was his whip, point eighty one whip, which is the best in baseball. He's got a one seventy nine batting average against, which is the best in baseball. Um, Seventeen walks. I mean, his so his control is out of this world. Mm. You know, and what, how is it that the Rays just developed this pitching? I mean, Shane McClanahan's been incredible. I mean, to have 133 strikeouts to 17 walks is an insane ratio. And 133 strikeouts in 98 in third innings. It's just unbelievable. And he's got a 1.74 ERA. Even if he keeps it up, even if he doesn't keep this pace up, he's probably going to finish in the low twos. And, and, you know, and he's been the best pitcher in baseball in, in the American League. You know, you... Yes. You could argue, you could also argue Justin Verlander, who has had a tremendous year. But I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Shane McClanahan as well. And for a lot of the reasons you documented and then I pointed out the whip and batting average against, um, I think it's just a absolute it's been a fantastic season. What about the National League Cy Young? Uh this one for me, um, you could go a few different ways. Yes. Um Right now, I'm giving it to Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins. Um, just a few stats on uh, on Sandy. He leads the he leads all baseball in innings pitched, which 
I mean, that's that's the mark of a true ace right there. A guy who, you know, is going to give you six, seven innings every time. And sometimes based, eight. Yeah. So based on this, um, Sandy is averaging seven innings, a little over seven innings per start, which in this day and age is really, really good. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, more so than that, he um, he's striking guys out um, 97 in um, – 115 innings pitched, yep. and he is number one in well, number two behind Tony Gonsolin um, in ERA. And you know, for a Marlins team who you know is kind of you know rebuilding, not expecting to really compete, um, they're only three games under 500, and Alcantara, along with Pablo Lopez and a couple other guys. Um, are really uh, a main reason why, you know, Miami isn't the Nationals who are just, you know, a dumpster fire. Right. That the Marlins are competing. So I'm giving it to Alcantara. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Tony Gonsolin here. Um, I mean, what, I mean, I mean, what a, what a first half he's had, you know, a 10 and a, a 10 and a record. I know we don't make as much about wins and losses as we used to. But a ten and zero record in fifteen starts, a one point five four ERA, and here's a guy who came into the season really as a piggyback guy with Tyler Anderson, and now both guys have been tremendous for the Dodger rotation. And where would they be without Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin? Because because Clayton Kershaw's missed time with injury, Walker Bueller's out with injury, you know, and you know because we talked about the Dodgers maybe being in the running for Luis Castillo. you know, where would the Dodgers be without Tony Gonsolin? 77 strikeouts in 81 in two-thirds innings. Now, you know, unlike Alcantara, he, you know, he doesn't go as deep into games, you know, and, you know, he walks a little bit more. Even, you know, he's got seven less walks than Alcantara, but he's pitched 30 less innings, right? right. He's, he's got a .82 whip, a batting average against a 156. That's filthy. I mean, that is filthy. He's only allowed seven home runs, so he keeps the ball in the ballpark. He's got a he's got a better strikeout to innings pitched ratio because it's it's closer to one to one as opposed to Alcantara. He either doesn't have as many dominant strikeout performances, and he's just been an utter revelation for the Dodgers. You know, and and honestly, he they had a lot they had high hopes for him when he was coming through the system. And it seems like a guy who's finally reaching his true potential. And Tony Gonsolin's been, and in, and in my books, especially being at Dodger Stadium, he's got to start the All Star game. Oh yeah, he, he should. He should. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Tony Gonsolin. So, what, good choice. Now, let's move on to rookies of the year. Okay. So there's been you, some, go, you can go first. There's there's been one. there's been some really good rookies to come up this year. You know whether it's uh, Bobby Witt Jr., um, you know Adley Rushman who came up more recently, um, you know, and and I'd have to say Bob Bobby Witt Jr. is definitely one of the favorites right now. So I'm gonna have to take Bobby Witt um, for the American League, and you know you okay. know coming up for the Royals, you know they have. Well, they have a lot of good young talent, and you know, going forward, you, you, even though 
Julio Rodriguez is having a tremendous year. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm still gonna go with uh with Bobby Witt. Okay. Uh I actually I'm I am gonna take Julio Rodriguez. Uh you know, if for no other reason than I believe he's won two rookie AL Rookie of the Month awards. Yes. And there's only been three months so far. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so um I'm gonna give my AL one to uh to Julio Rodriguez for a Mariners team that you know under underachieved probably one yeah. of the, probably one of the biggest disappointments in baseball. It's, you wonder when they're going to get back to the playoffs, but with guys like Julio, you know you can start to think. Yep. Um, over in the National League, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Nolan Gorman for the for the for the St. Louis Cardinals, and he you know he he's been a he's been a prospect that's really been really been talked about for a, for a while now. And you know, right now, seven home runs, eighteen RBIs, an OPS of seven ninety nine, batting two fifty six. Um, you know, as of as of uh, re- as of yesterday, actually, it was updated. Um, Nolan Gorman had no. I'm sorry, as of June 9th, this were the odds. Nolan Gorman's at a plus three hundred, the second favorite odds uh, behind Mackenzie Gore and just ahead of Saya uh, Suzuki. But I believe uh, since then, Suzuki has since gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it probably takes him out of the running. You know, there's also guys like Juan Yepes and O'Neill Cruz. But, you know, Nolan Gorman, you know, you know, and, and as good as Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt has been, has really brought a stabilizing jolt to the offense. Because, you know, aside from those guys, you know, Tyler O'Neill's been hurt and hasn't been great. Tommy Edmond hasn't been great. The Cardinal lineup hasn't really been all that great. So Gorman providing a little bit of that spark um, gives me my edge for National League. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with, and I know he hasn't he hasn't been up for that long, but um, I think he's going to really take off in the second half, and that's O'Neill Cruz of the Pirates. Yes. I think he's, you know. He looks like a freak of nature, yep. to be honest. Um, you know, for a Pirates team that's going nowhere, um, he's he's definitely a bright spot. And you know, he was a top ten prospect in baseball, I think, coming into this season. Yes. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, I'm going to take O'Neill Cruz for my NL rookie there. All right. Yeah, I, I think he's po- I think he's poised to have a monster second half. And I mean, you wonder. About where where his future lies, though, because he he is six foot seven, and there aren't many. I don't think there's ever been a shortstop that tall, you know. And you know, is he a third baseman or a second baseman going forward? You know, but you know, and and he's a and in his first game, he had a throw clocked at ninety six miles an hour from short to first. Kidding me? And the dude was booking it down the line too. The 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 batter was booking it down the line, so. So now I want to go over to your manager of the year for the American League. Sure. Um, me, me first? Yeah. Um, it really has to be. I mean, I guess you could. No, I, I don't think you can make an argument from anybody else. It has to be Aaron Boone. Um, just with the may, way he's managed this pitching staff, um, you know, their rotation has been healthy, fortunately. But the bullpen has, you know... They've lost guys, Chad Green, 
uh, to season-ending injury. Yeah. Um, other guys, Chapman and Jonathan Lewise, get to injuries, and uh, Judge has managed. Uh, you know, he's managed the bullpen very well so far, all, pitching staff as a whole, and uh, the lineup as well. With you know, with what's given to him, he um, he's giving guys rest at the right days. It seems like you know, the few days Judge has had off, he's hit a home run the next day. So maybe the rest did him some good. Um, I think you know whether or not he actually makes out the lineup, yeah, <laughs> or you know whether it's organizational. But I, I like most of the lineups he's had. I like Judge. Uh, I like Judge batting high in the order, getting more at bats. Right. Um, and I mean, I did not expect the Yankees straight up to have this good of a first half, and uh, Aaron Boone has to get the credit because he's been he's been getting pounded on in recent years by Yankee fans myself included right. so Boone's my guy so we agree to, we agree but disagree I agree that it's no contest for AL manager of the year however my AL manager of the year is Terry Francona are you kidding me what is he working with Jose Ramirez and what exactly a, a 20 million dollar payroll they're forty and thirty six. How are place. how how are they? But how are they over five hundred? How are they not twenty five games under? How is that team not twenty games under? Tell me. What is he working with? Absolutely nothing. They're two games out of first place. They're in. They're in position to win a division. They're in more. They're in more than striking distance to win the American League Central this year. With they are with basic, you know. And I don't want to dis- – and I really don't want to dismiss Aaron Boone. I really don't because the, because the Yankees have been out of this world. But the, you can't deny the talent difference between the Guardians and the, and the Yankees. You really can't. And to have this team at 40-36, and 36, 76 games into the season with guys like Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez – Ahmed Rosario, Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan, Owen Miller. Tell me you've heard of half of those guys. <laughs> the Yankees just played them, so I've Well, okay, okay, <laughs> before, okay. That's a little bit it's, 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 before that, no. Yeah, but tell but, yeah, but tell before me going that, into Saturday's first game. After you because they had the doubleheader this weekend, because Friday's game got postponed. Tell I me going into the first game. You've heard I of I heard like, of Ahmed Rosario. Well, okay, play, um, they'll play the Mets. Um Play for the Mets. Stephen Kwan, just because he got off to a hot start. He did. And then Jimenez was on the Mets also. Uh, right? Brief, br- it, briefly. We briefly saw him in the major leagues. That's, but, that's it. But, I mean, okay, you're getting good. You expect that they get a pretty good year out of, Steve, out of Shane Bieber. And he's been pretty good. Three and four record, but he's got a 3.16 ERA. You know, Cal Quantrill's pitched pretty well. Tristan McKenzie of late's pitched well. Zach Plesak's pitched well. I mean, and then you got Emmanuel Classe, who is a 1.35 ERA, 18 saves. I mean, he's working with Eli Morgan, Trevor Stevens, Sam Hentage, Brian Shaw. Who does he? Who exactly do the Guardians have? I'm so, I'm sorry. This is a roster that's that's this is a roster that's 20 games under 500 with a, with a bad manager. You think so? They're not. Games not under. a good roster. And it's a terrible payroll. They don't pay anybody. That's true. That is definitely true. 
So, all right, but if they don't make the playoffs, how can you give a manager of the year? Joe Girardi gave it one manager of the year. Our, they didn't make the playoffs. That's ac- they, it's accurate. I mean, it, it make ha- a good argument. The Guardians have a bad roster. You're t- you're you're t- you're telling me if this this team wins 80, 84 games, whether it's playoffs or no, you tell me this team was eighty four eighty five games. How? How was that team winning eighty plus games? They're not. I've got to go. I got to go with. Ty- I got to go with Frank Cota. I really do. All right. How about All the right. Nas- How about the National League? That sparked a good debate. <laughs> um. You know what? I got to go with Buck Showalter. My man. Um. The only other guy I think you could really make an argument for would be. I mean, Robbie Thompson probably doesn't qualify. No, right? no, no. I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't think. I, I don't know if we've ever seen an interim manager win manager of the year. Um, who's the Padres manager? Bob, Bob Melvin. Okay, you can make an argument for Bob Melvin because the Padres right now are in playoff position as the lead wild card. Yeah. But um, Buck Showalter, you know, you you can probably even quantify it. You can attest to it more than me. Right. He's made a, a very big difference that I even I've noticed someone who hasn't really watched the Mets. Right. Um, just from Luis Rojas and, and especially from a guy like Mickey Callaway. That's night and day. Yeah. Um, Buck, you can tell he um, he demands uh, respect from his players because he he respects them and he get and you know he's a he you know you can tell that he is. He's not going to baby them. He's right. going to, you know, he's going to be mature with them and tell them maybe things that they don't want to hear. But you know, he's still going to have your best interests at heart. And I think the players recognize that. And you know, the few times I've heard him speak with the media, he gives very smart, interesting answers. He's not just you he's, know, he's also smart ass. Yes, um, he's witty. As a Yankee fan, I would I would be more than happy to have Buck Showalter. Um, I have no problem with Aaron Boone at the moment. Right. But um, I think the guy who's made the biggest difference on a roster has been Showalter. Um, with any other manager, I don't think they're ahead of the Braves right now. So I, I I would agree with that. And by the way, since this is a podcast and we could be a little bit more free with our with our speech, he's dick pick Mick to us. <laughs> Mickey Galloway. He's dick pick Mick. Uh, good old dick pick Mick. Uh, but you know what? I, 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 how could I, how could I go against my guy Buck Showalter? I mean, this yeah. is the guy we've been clamoring for, the type of guy that could control the clubhouse, the type of guy that could command the leadership of the room. And, you know, we failed to see that for a number of years with, you know, whether it's Callaway or whether it's Luis Rojas, you know, you know, even, even I think a guy like Terry Collins wasn't all that great. I think Collins, had control towards the end as they got better, um, but you know what? What Buck Showalter's done? You're right. They're not. They're not a first place team. If if Luis Rojas is returned, um, you know I will say that you 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 could give a nice argument for Bob Melvin because look, the Padres were in the same situation last year, and you could argue the Padres have more talent than the Mets. I mean, head to head, they beat them two out of three, but. You know, the Padres were a team that fell apart, too, in the second half of the year. You know what? And, and a lot of people blame Jace Tingler for it. 
they get Bob Melvin another steadying presence in the clubhouse, um, I think those those have to be your two front runners right now. Um, but you know, the feeling every game. It, I again, like I said when we were talking about the Mets in our segment, you know, there's just a good feeling going into every game knowing that Buck Showalter's at the helm because you know he's going to make. You know, you're not going to agree with every decision he makes. You're going to scratch your head every now and again, and that's happened. I've questioned Buck a number of times this year. But you know what? I know his thought process. I know what he is about. I know that he's going to um, you know, do what's best for the team. And I know he knows the rules inside and out. There's a couple of challenges he's won because he knew the rules and other people didn't. You know, He mm. knows the rule book inside out. He's always prepared. I'll never feel that my team is out-prepared, is, not, is, is less prepared than the opponent. So, I gotta I gotta give it to Buck here. So, quickly do a little playoffs and then uh, quick yep. quick playoffs and then we'll we'll wrap we'll, it up. We'll wrap it up. Um, start with the American League in your opinion. Okay, um, I think the Yankees are going to um, win the East with the, and they will have the best record in all of baseball. Okay. I think they're oh I think they their win total they end up with is. Uh, 110. Okay. Um, I think they'll win 110 games and uh, relatively easily win the East. Okay. Um, I'm going to have the Twins win the Central. Okay. Uh, Astros are going to win the West, going away. Yep. And my three wildcard teams are going to be, in order, Blue Jays. Okay. Red Sox. White Sox. You think the White Sox turned around? Absolutely. They are my prime candidates turning around in the second half. There's well, just too much talent on that roster. If I'm not mistaken, preseason, we both had the White Sox of the World Series. Yes. Um, so I'm not giving up on them. All right. They're, they're a 500 team. They're one game under. Yep. Um, National League, mm-hmm. uh, I think I think the Mets are going to hold off the Braves. I think it's going to be a, a very tight, competitive race to the last weekend of the season. Yeah. Um, I which, think the Mets will win it by. Oh shit! Okay, <laughs> um, I think I do think the Mets will hold them off and win the East. Um, the Central, I'm actually going to give it to the Cardinals. I think the Brewers are frauds. They have no hitting whatsoever. They have no lineup. Um, so the Cardinals are going to win the Central. Um, I have the Dodgers holding off the Padres. Might not even be that close, and the Dodgers are going to win the West uh, once again. Right. And my three wild card teams are going to be. Uh, Braves one, Padres two. Okay, they're neck and neck right now. Yeah, record wise. Brewers three. Okay. So so, you have two from each division this year in the National League, whereas you have three American League East teams, and you even have Boston falling out of it. I have Boston. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. You 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 didn't Tampa include Bay. you didn't include Tampa. You, no, you, you have Tampa Bay's not any good. No, they're seven games over. Um, they're they're okay. <laughs> they're um, all right. They're all right. So surprise, surprise! Uh, I have the Yankees winning the AL East. I wonder why. Um, the AL Central. Hey, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and say it right now. Guardians are gonna win it. Really? I I said with what talent? But Terry Francona seems to know know what he's doing. Um, I mean, there's a manager that's won a couple of World Series. So, I mean, in, in Terry we trust. 
Still not a big Rocco Baldelli guy. I'm still not. I still don't buy the Twins. Yeah, I mean, and you know, and and you know what? You can't buy them in the playoffs. That's for sure. No, absolutely not. They're, they're swept. And, and, and you and, and watch you, the Astros are going to get to play the Twins, and they're going to fucking sweep them. Yeah, exactly. And then Houston wins the West, no doubt. I mean, the Seattle's is second, thirty-nine and forty-two, and Texas is thirty-seven and forty after losing two out of three to the Mets. Wild card. I'm gonna go with, I'm gonna go with Boston, the AL East, Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. Really? And yes, and and yes, I have soured on the White Sox. Okay. I I think they're done. I just don't like. Really? I don't like the vibe. And. Their pitching, their pitching is bad. Their pitching right their now pitching is like has not been good. You, you know what? Luis G, uh, Lucas Giolito has not been great. Dylan Cease has been good, but th- their pitching, man, it's not it's not good. Their bullpen's horrendous. You know, mm-hmm. and, and losing Garrett Crochet right before the season was a killer. You know, a, a big right. a big setup man right in front of Liam Hendricks. Um, they're bad. They're not good enough. And you know what? I, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I, I don't care what the relationship is between owner and manager, but Tony La is not going to be the manager by August 1st. He'll be out. Mm. I think he's the next one to go. Yeah, we've already seen Joe Madden and Joe Girardi uh, pack up their bags and be on their way out. Uh, I think La is next. So those are those are my six. I got the four. I got the four AL East teams. I, I think the Tamp- I think the Rays are the sixth. I think they'll get that last spot. Um, but I don't view them as any form of threat in the postseason. Um, as for the as for the NL East, you know what I I guess I gotta stick with my team. You know what I, I think the Mets are gonna hold off. It's gonna be a real fun summer. It's gonna be a stressful summer, especially with the fifteen matchups with the Atlanta Braves. But I, I do think they are able to um, navigate their way to the National League East Division title, especially if Jacob Degrom comes back. You know we know we're getting Max Scherzer back on Tuesday. Especially if Jacob Degrom comes back, I mean, because I mean, because if he's Jacob Degrom, who's hitting him? You know, who's, who's hitting him? Very few. Um, National League Central. I got to agree with you with the St. Louis Cardinals. I think they're a better team. Um, I like their pitching. Uh, I like their pitching more than I like Milwaukee's lineup. So okay. yep. yeah, and, and they've got and Milwaukee's got great pitching, but remember, Brandon Woodruff hasn't pitched in a while. So and you're not sure when he gets when he gets back, and I think that hurts the Brewers a little bit. So give me the Cardinals for the division, and then the Dodgers, obviously the National League West, and then I like the Padres to sneak out the top wild card, just slightly over the Braves. Um, I have the Braves as the five, and then and then and then Milwaukee is the six. So I think you and I have the same six teams in the National League, but I do think the Padres win um, okay. that top wild card. So those are my those are my six in the National League. So, um, so those those are some of our midseason thoughts. Um, John, it was great to have you on again. Yes, um, thanks, Justin. This is a midseason special, so no wonder why it's an hour and a half long. But that's okay. Um, there'll be plenty of time to eventually upload this and record and and put this out there um, on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, it'll appear on Sportswire Radio once I give this to. Tom Bryce and the Sokoa Media app as well. So, John, thanks for joining me again. Yep. Thank you, Justin. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Baseball Banter. Have a good night.